You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Just so you know, I have weeks like that too. Over the last few weeks, it's been... um, It's been good to be back, so to speak, from summer and off and all that. And one of the things that I I enjoy doing this piece, right? Like I love preaching, teaching, studying the whole process. And because I understand that, that the transformation that happens in me through the study and through God just letting that stuff marinate in me, um, I'm hoping that it Whatever that is, that transformation, as you receive God's word, that it oozes, the marination oozes on you. And uh, But my hope is, is that you're not totally dependent upon me. That you're in your week, that you're being encouraged by God's word, and you're opening it up and studying and having some time of your own as well. But that together, together, we get to maybe kind of come together on Sunday and do a little buffet for a little bit and get a little bit. And so one of the things that I enjoy about what I do is this, but also being able to do um, I love coffee and uh, people, and so those two things go together. So I get to see a lot of you, and usually coffee is around that. And um, and one of the things that I love about those opportunities is that we get to sit across from each other and talk and do life, and there's some authenticity in that. And that one, that you have an opportunity to be authentic and talk about the struggles that you've got and where you're at and the goods and the bads and all that. But then also you get to know a little bit about me because I, <clears throat> there's not everything that, that about me needs to come across through the pulpit, okay? But there's a moments where you're talking about your life that I can pull back the curtain a little bit on my life and share some of my stuff where I can identify with you or... I've walked with others and can identify with you through those things. And that that is what community looks like, is that we can sit down together and sup together and drink coffee together and acknowledge the fact that we're not king and that we're not the savior. We're in need of a king. We're in need of a savior. And together, as we sit together at moments like that, we're speaking truth and love and encouraging, as the scripture says, we're putting courage into one another to get from Monday to Tuesday. Because there are days that it's thinking about what there's enough for today, much less for to think about what tomorrow may hold. And so that's what community looks like. And over the past couple of weeks, we a few weeks ago, we talked about the beginning of our series that we're in today called One Another. And the word that's on the screen there, alaleon or alalon, is one word in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament is written in, but in English it comes across as two words, one another or each other. And it's this idea that we're for one another, and it's this idea of community is for each other. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who are we to one another? We're a family, we're a building you know, even though we may have come from some dysfunctional families that together that we in Christ, we find functionality. And today we're going to over and over the next few weeks, we're going to find out what those functions are and, and what does it look like for us as a building and how we're able to be built up in Christ. But this idea of alelon is over a hundred times in the New Testament. This word is used and it's there's several different things that's talked about at characteristics and we could spend a hundred weeks on this word, but we're not 
This is why you need to, on your own time, begin to do some study on your own and go, hey, Chris is going to spend five weeks on this word. What's some other things that I can learn and grow in the qualities of Christ through this? So there's going to be two places today that we're going to dig into. The first one is First Peter chapter 3, and then we'll jump over to John 17 and a little bit later. But in First Peter chapter 3, here Peter is closing out his first book to the churches and he says this thing. And so one of the things that we're to be that is supposed to be different about us as followers of Jesus is that we gather together and that we're a different community. Because if you were to look around the room here, the one thing that identifies us together, that one reason that we come together on a Sunday is Jesus. It's not because we're white, black, yellow, brown. Educated, non-educated, right wing, left wing, whatever those different things are, all of those things fade away. That's the difference for us is when we gather together, we draw around, we do life around, center our life around the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. And that the hope and the good news that we have in him draws us together, which is a miracle. And we see that on a daily basis, right? We live in a nation that focuses not on unity, but focuses on diversity. And I'm not talking, I mean, there, there needs to be diversity. That's the beauty of the kingdom. But the diversity where we come together and we're centered around the one thing that unifies us, and that's the person of Christ. And what we'll find out in a little bit is that Christ prays for unity, not uniformity. And that for the body of Christ, when the body of Christ comes together unified around Christ with all the diverse opinions and all the diverse backgrounds and all the diverse ethnicities and works as one, that's the power of God that transforms a community. And so that's what Jesus is going to, that's where we're going to sit in today is what does it look like for a church to be unified around the person of Jesus Christ? And so here Peter, as he's ending his passage, he's talking to church and there's some issues and some struggles. And he says, so finally, all of you should be of one mind. That's a big statement in it. That all of you should be of one mind. And the only way that a group that gathers together can be of one mind is if they're centered around one thing. And for us as the New Testament church, it's Christ. Because we could easily look to the person next to us and go, hey, what, what do you believe about this? And what do you believe about this? Or what do you think about this? Or where are you from? Or what football team do you like? Or what college do you like? And immediately we can get div- divided quickly. But we gather together around this one thing. And so as we do this of one mind, what do we then do? What are the characteristics? The first thing is that we sympathize with each other. Again, this word sympathize literally means to put on the skin of the other person, which is countercultural. We have a tendency to look at other people and find what's wrong with them or why they're different with us, the diversity that we find in them, and begin to judge them because we want to raise ourselves up. But the Scripture tells us to be of one mind, to be of the mind of Christ, and therefore step into the life, into the shoes of others, and find out maybe why they are where they're at. Maybe get to know their story, that maybe we can find something in common with them and and, and our story and our messiness. And if they don't know Jesus, we can move them toward Jesus because we have hope in Christ in the midst of our craziness. So to sympathize, to put the skin on of the other people. And then the next thing it says is to love each other as brothers and sisters. 
Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had a really cool picture up there of a brother and sister, and they were hugging each other, but it looked like it could easily become a, <clears throat> a headlock and a noogie and, and all that, right? And that's the, that's the thing about brothers and sisters is that we love each other, but there's times where we do need to put each other in a headlock and give them a, noog- and a noogie and say, listen, some tough love. Because love is a choice. See, when we get to look at at each other again, we can find the things and faults that are wrong with each other. But love is a choice. And if we choose to love someone, it's in spite of them. And they choose to love us in spite of us. And that's why we teach here, no perfect people allowed. Because we all need grace. None of us have arrived. Some of us have maybe done a better job of being religious and cleaning up. Maybe forgetting some of our past or pretending that it's not there. But... To love each other means to have a choice in choosing daily to do it. You don't fall in and out of love. You fall in and out of feelings. But love is a choice. To choose that in spite of maybe some of the harm and hurts and all that, we choose to still love. And in the midst of that, to be tender-hearted. It's really easy when you do life with people to become calloused. That we become hard-hearted. Because people have hurt us. People have cut us deeply. And so the natural tendency is to, that our heart becomes calloused and we even put it in a box and we're going to keep it safe and we're never going to. And if maybe every once in a while we might pull the heart off the shelf, and, but we're afraid that it might get hard. But for us to choose to love and to be tender hearted and to keep a humble attitude. This is tender hearted and humble attitude speaks about us becoming easy for us to become religious and rule keepers and modify our behavior to clean up, but that this is a tender-hearted thing for us to continue to grow and to be changed and to see other people and to see the tapestry of life. That we have a tendency to present our best picture and we present a tapestry that looks all put together, what I call the filtered life, that you've taken a thousand photos and had just the right one and you present it to people. But on the back side of the tapestry is the mess. And that Jesus is in the back side of the tapestry doing his work with you and moving and shaking so that on the outside there is some beauty on the other side. of The beauty is not you, it's Christ in you. And that people are seeing in you that as you're being transformed, that the messes of our life are being transformed on the other side. People are seeing Christ in you and they're drawn to you because of the glory of Christ being shown through you in the midst of our mess. And that Jesus even prays for that in John 17. He prays that our messiness will bring glory to God. Which is crazy to think about. That God can use our messes to draw people to himself. Because he's working out his glory in us. And so therefore to get sympathized with someone is to walk in their shoes and know what? You know what? This may be a messy season for them. and maybe a messier season. But my season of messiness over here was just as messy. And if only if we're not for Christ giving me hope and good news in the midst of that, I would still be there. Another characteristic of a person that's being unified in Christ is we don't repay evil for evil. We don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, you pay them back with a blessing. 
This is living life upside down. This is what the world doesn't do. We are in a world right now where we're heavily divided and thinking about all the different ways that we're diversified and we're yelling at each other. We're shouting instead of toning down the voices. We get a little bit louder and we try to say it in different ways. We just keep turning up the volume, hoping to be heard over the other person. But for us, it means that there may be times where we're insulted But they're not insulting us. They're insulting us in our pursuit of Christ. They're insulting Christ. And so we do a blessing and says, this is what you have been called to do. In Christ, you're to swim upstream differently than everyone else. And in this, you will be his blessing. So there's challenges to living in diversity. The first one is diversity. Some of you are northerners, some of you are southerners, some of you didn't even grow up in the United States, and so now you're here, and so different language, all these different things. Some of you think about this this way. Some of you are from the cult called A&M, and some of you are from that other cult called Longhorns, you know, Hook'em, whatever y'all are doing. And so you're all these different things, so diversity happens. But when we come together here, those things melt away because we're founded on the person of Jesus Christ. There's a German philosopher named Schopenhauer, Schopenhauer, and Schopenhauer says that in communities, humans have a hard time doing authentic community. Because when we do authentic community, he, he defines it as porcupines on a cold night. That on a cold night, you colder and colder it gets, you have to get closer and closer and closer. And as you get closer and closer and closer, you find things wrong with people. And that's your porcupine quills. And so when the coldest of nights, you've got to get really close and that gets uncomfortable when porcupines or porcupines. I don't know how you say it, but that's how I'm saying it. Porcupines getting close together on a cold night. And that's most of us how do community is we get just close enough, but don't really burrow in. Now, we would know that churches never split. Churches never have disagreements, right? Y'all know that that's totally not true. As a matter of fact, there's a church on the East Coast named the Left-Footed Baptist Church. And the reason, which is a weird name to begin with, like, hey, I'm going to the left foot, you know. The reason that they're called the Left-Footed Baptist Church is because they want people to know when they do foot washing that they start off washing the left foot first. And so they split because somebody wanted to wash the right foot first. Craziness, right? Left-footed Baptist church. As a matter of fact, there's another church that recently they split because the pastor commented on one lady's fried chicken and not the other lady's fried chicken. And so now there's two fried chicken churches. They just do a little differently. And it sounds ludicrous, but this is stuff. Listen to me. When you are not focused on Jesus, this kind of stuff invades the church. And it sounds ludicrous, but it's this. It's about me, right? It's about me in that moment when he didn't talk about my chicken. They're trying to do something different than what I think I should do. And the focus gets off of Jesus, and you have splits and splits and splits. That's why there's a first Baptist, a second Baptist, a third Baptist, a Trinity Baptist, a Calvary Baptist. There's Methodist, all this different stuff. Why? Because we lost focus on Jesus. And that's our center point. Now, yes, there's some peripheral things and we can all that different stuff. But the center thing is Jesus. One of my prayer requests is we do a thing called love does here. And it's we shut down church to be the church one Sunday. And here's my prayer. So if you all know people in other churches, you tell them. 
is that there's a Sunday or a couple of Sundays a year where we as churches, Christian New Testament churches, shut down and be the church. Can you imagine if every New Testament church in town got together and said, we're going to be the church today and we're going to bless this community? Our neighbors would be like, what has gone on in the Christian community in LaGrange, Texas? That y'all would cooperate together. And we could say, listen, it doesn't matter how you think baptism happens. It doesn't matter whether you think you can speak in tongues. It doesn't matter all these other things, those are peripheral things. The thing that matters is that our neighbors need to know Jesus. And we're willing to throw those things away for the person of Jesus Christ. Because our neighbors, our kids, all these people that we do life with that don't know Jesus, they're in a mess just like you and they don't have Jesus. And that should break our heart. That's why Jesus came over the hill at Jerusalem and he looked at the Mount of Olives and he looked down and he knew the personal crushing he was going to enter into. And he looks over at Jerusalem and he weeps for them because they do not know him. Can I tell you, even today, in Israel, less than 3% of Israel, the place of Jesus, less than 3% know Jesus. He still weeps over Jerusalem. So the challenges of living in harmony, as many of us, we just have little in common, and only one thing can bind us together, which is the person of Jesus. My question for us is this. Can the oneness that we find in Christ hold us together when there's moments that we want to splinter? Can the oneness that we find in Christ hold us together in those moments that we want to splinter over other things? This takes maturity in Christ. And that many times why churches have split, why we have different things is because we're just nine-year-olds doing church. The dangers of living in harmony. You see it in Genesis chapter 11 where people came together for a little bit thinking they were doing good and the Tower of Babel happened and God dispersed them. Humans have accomplished great things when they've come together. Even right now, we're sending teams to Florida and they're doing great things and it takes an organization to feed. And I know our church is a part of a team that's feeding 60,000 meals a day. That's part of you, because of your generosity, we're part of that. We send teams, and we have people part of that. And, and all over, things are happening. This week, uh, something happened in Flatoni, and someone lost everything, and we're, we're, we're part of that team, helping them rebuild and, and doing those things and, and all that different stuff. Those are things that sometimes you don't even know that's happening, but because of your giving, because of your stuff, like we're able to do that stuff. We are doing church. We're being church. Church happens here. This is our gathering, but the church happens on Monday when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to play, when we step into other people's messiness, when their house burns down and they don't know it, they don't have insurance, we step in and say, this is what Jesus does. We jump in with their skin and say, what would we want for them to do for us? The challenges are living in harmonies. We focus on the diversity. Next is the gifts of living in harmony. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. If not, it'll be up here. But this is a prayer that Jesus um, offered. This is he's coming toward the end of his ministry in his life, and he knows what's about to happen. He knows that his death is coming. He knows resurrection as well. But his disciples, he's spending the last moments with them, and and he knows that they're going to scatter. He knows that when 
life is going to get difficult here in the next few weeks, that they're, when stuff gets really hard, they're going to bail. But he also knows that after the resurrection, they're going to have courage and strength and faith that they couldn't even imagine. And so here, Jesus, whenever he prays, when he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples of that moment, but he also prays for us. And the center part, the thread all throughout that is that through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, one, it would show the glory of God, that even in the messies of messies moments, the glory of God shines through, which is hope and good news for us, that even in the messiness of our stuff, the glory of God shines through and people see God in us and through us in those moments. But that all throughout that thread is that we would be unified, not uniformed, but unified around the person and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. So verse 1 of chapter 17, we're going to jump around a little bit. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify. That word glorify means make known or bring into the open. Okay, Bring into the open your son so he can do what? Give glory back to you. So even tomorrow, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to play, play, this should be part of our prayer request. Father, as I go into this place, may I be one to bring glory to you in the situations of life. For you have given me authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each of you have for you one you have given him. Jesus in this moment, he's praying for himself, but he also gives us a model of how for us in that day, our daily stuff, begin to pray. Then after all these things, Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you've given him authority over everyone. Next part. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me. So he's looking at his disciples because they belong to you. Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be what? United. Just as we are. So that Jesus is saying, Father, I pray that my disciples will be united just as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Which is interesting because when we pray, God says, yes, yes, yes. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in agreement. And that for us, to be in agreement around the person of Christ and the work that he's done. Jesus prays and he doesn't think about the scattering. He's thinking about the future. He didn't focus about the negative things, but about the good things that are about to come. And that they would have courage, that they would have faith, that they would have understanding. And that they would be immersed in his protection in the midst of that. Jump down to verse 20. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Now, sometimes that's our prayer, right? In the messiness... God, just remove me from this. When scripture tells us that Jesus, God, allows situations in our life, he allows them not because he thinks that we're strong enough, but because he knows that we can lean into him and that he's strong enough. See, he's our strength. He's our power. He's our wisdom. He builds up in us trust that he is God, that he is king, and he can handle any situation that he allows us to go through. I'm not asking you to take them out of those situations, but to keep them safe from the evil one. There is evil, to keep them safe from those things. This reminds me of the illustration that that I've received from many ladies talking to them like, hey, how's 
the pregnancy going? How are things going? How's the baby? Where is it? Is it a peanut? Is it a grape? Is it a whatever? I know they're doing little fruits and stuff now. All right. And they're like, oh, it's, a, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, and then guess what? I felt him or her move. And you can just see their eyes light up. There's this hope. There's these dreams. They don't think about the times that the kid's not going to have the room clean and they don't take out the trash. Or they're on them for a umpteenth thousand time that they didn't do such and such. No, what do they think? They think, oh, man, I have such dreams for my child. And this is Jesus in this prayer. See, he knows that his disciples are going to scatter. But as a mother in the womb has hopes and dreams that there's going to be some great things, there's going to be some great moments. Jesus knows that there's going to be great moments ahead for his children. And he knows after the resurrection that they're going to have resurrection power. That the Holy Spirit power will come on them and they will be able to be a part of and be in situations that apart from him they could not walk through. But because of the resurrection power of Christ and their belief in him, they will be able to stand strong in the midst of it in community. Because we'll be able to be encouraged. So Jesus is like a mother in a womb saying, I can see their future. And I'm praying not only for the disciples that were there, but also for us, these disciples, but also those who believe in me through the message. He prays for all of us that we will be one. One of my favorite preachers and theologians says this way. If we really love each other and really loved Christ, no one would ever be excluded from any church. It's pretty powerful. Do you think there's people in our community that feel excluded from a church? Yeah. No church would ever exclude anyone who is Christ's disciple. Man, I read that this week. And I wept over the church. I know Crosspoint, we're we're not perfect, we're trying. But I know there's, there's still sometimes people feel like, hey, this is not a church for me, for whatever reason. We're humans, right? I get it. And there's also the power of the Holy Spirit at times. that We feel the guilt and conscience and stuff. But man, if love is a choice, right? If love is a choice, how are we choosing to love? Are we loving really, really well? Some days, yes. Some days, no. But what power would it be for us, for a church, to say, man, I'm going to love. And yes, guess what? It's going to be messy, and I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to love. and I'm going to push toward and point and move toward Jesus. Because I don't want anybody to not know Jesus in the messes of life. That I can have the messiest of days, the messiest of weeks, and things out of my control. But I know that I know that I know that if I have Jesus, I have hope and joy. That's not dependent upon my circumstances, but totally on the person of Jesus. And Jesus continued on, and he says, I pray that there will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, the Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world believe that you sent me. See, by the way that we love, 
people are drawn to the church. They're drawn to community like this. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Get that? So church, we have the glory of Jesus when we're united as one. So they may be as one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May the experience such perfect unity in the world will know that you sent me. And that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus prays for unity, not uniformity, but unity. And that unity is drawn around the person of Christ. Biblical unity, okay? Biblical unity produces authentic community. We can talk about the things of life and know that those are peripheral things. And sometimes we can agree to disagree. Listen, we do it in staff. We do it in elders meetings. There are times that in pursuit of Jesus, in pursuit of his glory, we disagree over things. But then we come to a conclusion and just say, listen, here's where we're at. And for the unity of the cross, for the unity of cross point community and and for the gospel, we're going to agree to disagree on this. And we're going to move forward together because I know we trust that we're for each other and for Jesus, not against each other. But our natural human tendency is to think that everyone's out to get me and and not for me. Biblical unity produces authentic community where we can be trustful and you can say, hey, how are you doing? And you can say, my day stinks. And to know that there's not judgment, that people will be sympathetic and try to walk in it with you. Because they know today maybe their day is not as messy as yours and they can walk in it. And that the power of Christ is what draws us together. Let's pray together. Father, we all come from different places. We've all been raised up in different ways. We all have different thoughts about different things. And some things are important. Some are less important and more important than others. But the most important thing is the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that here this morning that we just we gather around the cross, that the cross is equal footing. It doesn't matter about our education. It doesn't matter about our wealth. It doesn't matter about any where we've come from. Everything that matters is do we know Jesus and the gift that he's given us in his life, death and resurrection. Father, I pray here. For us in this room, that as we centrifuge out of here for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, that we not look at the things that divide us and the things that other people may fall short for whatever reason. But, Father, that we find and we find commonality and choose to love even when there is diversity, even when there is difference of opinion. Even when there is something I don't like, Father, to find commonality for the purse, for the purpose of knowing whether my neighbor knows Jesus or not. Father, I pray that we would weep over LaGrange, we would weep over Fayette County, Round Top, all these places. So that just one more might know you. May we be unified in that. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. 
For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.